God, we thank you. We thank you so much that you love us. We thank you that you desire to bless us. We thank you that you look down on us even like small children and just want us to have a full life, an abundant life, a a new life, a life filled with hope, a life filled with all of the things that the Father wants to bestow upon us. Now, God, our prayer is that your word is alive, that your word is active, that your word pierces hearts, minds, and brings us hope, joy, peace, and understanding this morning. In Jesus' name, and amen. So uh, while we were at camp last week with, with the kids, um, the teaching for the week was, was all out of the book of John, and the theme for the week was above, and, and the idea was uh, beyond us, uh, uh, above us, in a, in a, in a, in a new place, uh, uh, a new understanding. And on one of the occasions, um, the, the, the speaker for the week uh, was talking on, on this passage, and, it, and it's been a long time since I, I, have, I have taught on this passage, and as we move forward into the church God would have us be, not the church that the world looks for. And you're gonna hear this reiterated over and over again. Yes, we believe in solid children's ministries, right? Yes, we believe in a, a, a quality worship experience. Yes, we believe that there ought to be signs and things that show our visitors that the sanctuary is this way and that the coffee is that way. And those things are not going away. But if our finances and our passions and everything that we speak about focuses on those things instead of the things of God, we're doing it wrong, right? We're, we're, not, we're not doing church correctly. And yes, when we start reading the word aloud, that's the way we feel about it, right? When we start having public readings of scripture or we are taking care of orphans and widows. And, and I'm going to, to allow myself and all of us to be called out a little bit, all right? I'm gonna do that, all right? We had one of our dear members of our church that um, uh, was you know, sitting in, in, in their vehicle for, for a time. And once they got out of the vehicle, I happened to be outside and they approached me and they asked me a question. They said, do you know the young man that was sitting out here um, under, under, by the building under the awning? And I, I do, I know who he is, we, we know about him. She said, do you know how many people I watched walk right by him and never invite him in? That ought to affect us. She ain't wrong. She ain't wrong. Now, we fed that man breakfast yesterday morning. He was invited in. We've made a plate for him at men's ministry, but we need to be aware, okay? We need to be aware. Church acts like that, okay? It does. So the orphans, the widows, the missions, the mission outside of ourselves, not getting church as we want it to be, to be filled up. Yes, we want to be filled up, but again, are our focuses wrong? Now, before we move forward in, in teaching all of those things, and I'm going to throughout the rest of the summer, I'm going to talk about all the hard things, right? All the things we can do as believers to raise the level of who we are and where we are. Something has got to happen first, okay? 
We've got to find a new life, a, 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 a new hope, because you can't take care of orphans and widows. You can't take care of a tithing. You can't order your life appropriately. You can't give of your time if there's not something empowering you inside of you to do it. When Jesus said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, what he meant by that was the life of a Christian is difficult. In fact, it's impossible unless you have Jesus. And then through me, all things are possible. So I want to walk through this story today and I want you to walk through it with me. We're going to do the story of Jesus and this guy. And I told the men's ministry this yesterday, but I want to tell you because it's still a good introduction. One of my favorite preachers when I was a student was named Ike Reigerd. I went to a, a youth evangelism conference in Frankfurt and uh, he spoke there. And I still remember a story he told about, about his, his wedding ring and, and his wife and, and it, it would overwhelmed me and it was, it was awesome. And so years later, I was at a conclave in Georgia and all a conclave is, is a bunch of youth ministers came together and they worshiped together and there were things there to help them be better youth ministers, right? So I was there um, at a table talking about a camp and talking about a conference and I got to hear Ike Rigard speak again. And he told the story of the first sermon he'd ever preached, right? The first sermon he ever preached was on this passage. And he said, man, my mentor and I, we worked really hard on that message. And I went over it over and over and over and over and over again. He said, and I got up that morning and I wanted to impress him. So I talked like him. I walked like him. I preached like him. Man, I fired that sermon up. I went off that day. I got off the stage. I sat down right next to him with a huge smile on my face, my shoulders back, my head up. And he put his hand on my knee and he said, that was an awesome sermon sermon about Nicodemus. <laughs> he preached the whole thing. <laughs> Jesus in Nicodemus. Everybody say it with me. Nicodemus. Say it again. Nicodemus. We are going to look at the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. And I think it's healthy for us to understand, all right, for us to understand who's telling the story. Now you're getting the words of Jesus today, but you need to understand who's telling the story. And there's a part of me, I know we just got out of Luke, but the more I'm thinking about this, there's a real big part of me that, that wants to take on John, all right? John is the book you send people to, all right? Uh, in fact, somebody was in my office this week and he said, where do I start? You, John. You start with John. You start with 1st, 2nd, 3rd John or John, all right? And here's one of the reasons why you start with John, all right? Because John was there. It is 95% assumed and agreed upon that when Jesus talks, when the gospels talk about the beloved disciple, that it was John. When we talk about there being crowds that followed him and then 12 that followed him and then three that were at the um, ascension and were closer to him in the garden, it really also comes down to one who made it all the way to the cross. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. I've preached it before and I'll always say it. For me, that is the Oscar of scripture. That is the Tony Award, the Grammy Award of scripture. You ran the race, you kept the faith, take my place. That's the guy who wrote this. That's who we're listening to tell the story. I was there, I tripped up here, I messed up there, I asked the wrong questions. I knew him, 
And he starts with the most beautiful, yet confusing, yet wonderful. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, but, but the Word was God. I mean, he was with God in the beginning and by him all things were made. But, but apart from him, nothing that has been made has been made. And it was that Word that was there in the beginning and I don't even understand it, but I got to see it. That Word became flesh. You see the difference? When you know, that's who we're listening to, right? That's who we're listening to. And here's what happens. There was, whoops. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a Pharisee. He was charged with the teaching and the religious upbringing of the Jewish culture. He was a member of the ruling council, all right? He was on the board of directors. He was, as we have elders here at NBC and they watch over the body, he was on the elder board for the city, all right? For, for the, the people, like the, the ruling board. So he's way up there. He's in the group of people who will spend the rest of his ministry trying to have him killed. Jesus is who they were supposed to be looking for and the Jesus they got ticked them off so much that they did not like him. And so nobody's really sure if this encounter is planned. Did they send out a spy to have this happen? Was Nicodemus curious? Did he meet him one day? Did he see him one day? Did, he, did one of the miracles, did he prove, spark something in the back of his mind? And did he have this thought like, what if everything I ever knew was nothing I've ever known? I don't know. Here's what I do know. Something happened that night because Nicodemus was forever changed. He's only mentioned two more times and he is taking care of the body of the Savior. He is making sure that the man he knew, the man that made him knew was cared for. Something happened this night, probably on a rooftop. Strange that it was at night, but because of who was meeting who, it was kind of a secret, not a secret. They just didn't want this big public thing. And Jesus is like, I'm good with that. I, 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 I preach all day. I'll see you when you want to see me. Let's, let's, let's do this. And so they get together. They pop down on a rooftop on a couple of chairs. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, interesting. He calls him Rabbi. The teacher of teachers says, Rabbi, and that is a very personal, that is an endearing term, all right? And, and it's really awesome because um, if you understand how you become a rabbi and you understand the Jewish culture, which this guy would have, this is a really interesting way to greet him. Here's why. If you were to become a rabbi in the Old Testament, okay, you had to have two other rabbis, okay, affirm you. You had to have the voice of one rabbi and the voice of another rabbi in order for you to be rabbied, okay? Not rabid, that's a different thing, but to be rabbied, all right? You had to have the voice of two, right? Well, at Jesus's baptism, at Jesus's baptism, 
John the Baptist, who everybody knew was a prophet, a rabbi, a teacher. They came from out of the city to him, all right? Out to get, he says, I, I am not worthy to baptize you, but because you asked me to, I will. You are the man, you're him. So he vocalized in front of all the people that Jesus was who he said he was. When he came up out of the water, what happened? A voice from heaven said, this is my son. Every Jew would have known exactly what that meant. He was affirmed. Earthly and heavenly by two voices. That's gonna play in to the rest of this too because we're about to see, talk about earthly and heavenly. Swatter and spirit, physical life, eternal life. There's going to be this contrast all the way through this story. Rabbi, I get it. He even affirms it. We know, okay, he makes this impersonal for a moment. Did you catch that? We know. So this is why we talk about the fact that was he sent, was he not sent, or is he just saying everything that I know in my circles, right? We know. We the Jews, we the teachers, we, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. You can't say the things you say and do the things they do if you weren't sent from a pretty high authority. But no one could perform the signs that you've performed. So he's acknowledging that he has performed the signs and wonders that are happening if God were not with him. So he actually doesn't even ask a question there. He makes a statement and he's talking about affirmation. He's talking about teaching. He's talking about signs. He's talking about wonders. And Jesus realizes, maybe you didn't, but Jesus realizes that this is gonna get way off base. You know, sometimes when you wanna just, there's an easy answer to a question and then you get into this deep theological discussion with the Greek and the Hebrew and what this guy says and Bonhoeffer says and blah, 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 blah. And it was just like, could you have just said Nicodemus? Well, Jesus doesn't want that to happen. We ain't got all night. Uh, you know, we might have all night, but we ain't got three nights, okay? So let's just, so Jesus, the first thing Jesus does is he goes, mm, he redirects right where Nicodemus needs to be and Jesus wants him to go. Listen to this. If you're sitting in a service and the Holy Spirit begins to move on you and he redirects your thoughts, listen, and do not be afraid to respond. NBC is a healthy, joyful, happy place where people who God is moving in their life can respond. You can say, I confess my sin. You can say, I am broken. You can say, I need Jesus. You can say, I'm caught in sin, help me. Because guess what? All of you are sinning. She just said so. <laughs> Tell them preacher. You didn't hear that? Jesus said, I love this. You, uh, you guys are used to hearing the phrase, verily, verily. Verily, verily, I say unto you. In the King James Version, right? And then it moved to, truly, truly, I say unto you. And then it moved to, um, um, I truly say, or truly, I tell you. Okay, do you know what the word is there? The Greek word? It's Amen. The Greek word is amen. So it's amen, amen. Every time Jesus wants you to listen and when he's gonna say something that you need to pay attention to, he says, amen, amen, but it gets better. Ready? When we say a prayer, we finish with what? 
Amen. Because what we want is not to say time to eat. That's not what amen means. What we want is not to say it is finished. That's not what amen means. Amen means from authority or from truth or in, in, ingrained in the phrase is truth at its core, okay? But catch this, we put it at the end. Jesus speaks with so much authority that he says, I'm gonna start with it. You can take to the bank what I'm going to say before I say it. We say it and then go, yeah, you better believe that's true. Amen, amen. Jesus says, no, you can say amen now because it's coming out of my mouth. Come on, that's pretty cool. Jesus says, here comes the stuff. Here it is, straight from on high. Take it to the bank. And here's what he says. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Here's how he redirects. I know you've got a lot of questions about a lot of things, but everything that you're talking about is taking place here. You're talking about what you can see with your eyes. You're talking about what you can hear with your, with your ears. You're talking about what you can discuss among yourselves. But at the end of the day, nothing I have to tell you is, is fathomable, imaginable, or discussable in this realm. It is bigger than all of this. So let's just get that clear. We can talk all night and you still wouldn't get it unless you were born again. This tracks with Hebrews, right? A natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. They are foolishness to him, for he is not spiritually phrased. You don't have what it takes to get the gospel. And why get, I mean understand. You have to get something else first. And what he calls it is born again. A better phrase than again, which means to repeat, okay, is to be born again a new, okay? That's actually a better translation of the Greek word, to be born anew, because again is misunderstood by Nicodemus because he asks a, 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 a good question. His next question is good. Jesus ignores it too, but it's good. He says, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely... Uh, Ah, all the no. I, I, there's a lot of signs and miracles you can do. I can't think of anyone who wants to see that one. Jesus does a great job of going, <clears throat> well, truly, I tell you again, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Now we have the contrast. No one can enter the kingdom of God. No one can be a part of the kingdom on earth. No one can be a part of the place he has planned for us. It is a, you know, lots of things right in there. You can't be in, get it, understand it, uh, swim around in it, be confused by it. You, you can't have it without being born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Humans have human babies. Spirit gives birth to spirit. 
Jesus now uses birth three, maybe four times in a matter of 30 seconds to a minute. At birth, all life is ahead of you, right? The thing about birth is you are beginning life, okay? That is why he, anew is better than again, right? You're beginning life anew, all right? And so when you are born of flesh, you can physically live. When you are born of spirit, when, you, when your spiritual life is made new, all right, you can be a part of the kingdom of God on earth. You can look forward to the kingdom of God in heaven. You should not be surprised. You of all people should not be surprised that I said you have to be born anew. You've read the prophets. You've understood the prophets from Jeremiah to Isaiah to Malachi. And they told you there was going to be one who would come that would take away the sins of the world. And this is, it just shouldn't be a surprise. Shouldn't be something we have to hide from in the middle of the night. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell it comes from. So it is with the Spirit. Nicodemus says, fine. How can this be? Now, that question can be read two ways. How can this be like, um, um, I just saw a, 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 a pig with wings and it was purple, and it had an alien riding on its back that was singing in Swahili. If you say, how can this be? What you mean is, uh-uh, ain't no way. How can this be like a magician who does something that you cannot believe, but you're asking what? What's behind, how? Can this be? What, if what you're saying is true and you've told me it's true before you said it and then you told me it was true before you said it again, I'm gonna need an explanation. How can it be real? Man, you're the top of the totem pole. You've graduated with more degrees You've got more titles. You've been actually doing this stuff and you need me to explain it to you. Now, Nicodemus will understand where Jesus is coming from here because he's a teacher. You ever taught and taught and taught and they still don't? If you have children, you understand this? Don't go over there. I said, don't go over there. I said, don't go over there. Right? Right? Well, this is how Jesus feels sometimes with all of us. I said, don't. <laughs> I said, don't. <laughs> like a dog returns to his vomit. So a fool to his folly. Hello, vomititers. Welcome to NBC where we lift up and encourage. But um, anybody ever sinned and then knew they weren't supposed to and then were like, oh, I'm back and then knew they weren't supposed to and then I'm back. There it is again. 
Amen, amen. I got something to say. We speak of what we know. Jesus includes the kingdom in with himself. All those who have been made clean, all those who have been made new, all those who have comprehended and understand to the best of their capacity because they knew the living and active word of God. We speak of what we know. We testify about what we've seen. Still, people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and, and you don't understand. How are you going to believe when I speak to you of heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven. So nobody's ever been and seen and comprehended with all of their senses, except the son of man. Jesus is speaking, so he could have said, um, that would be me. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone that believes in him will have eternal life. He tells him a story that he's taught. Now, a lot of you might not know that story, okay? You have to go all the way back to the book of Numbers to find this story. All of the people that Jesus set free were wandering around in the wilderness because they were Baptists. <laughs> Serious. Yep. You know how I know? They sent in a committee. <laughs> he got them. Come on, girl. He got them out of Egypt. Amen. He got them across the Red Sea, amen? He swallowed up the army, amen? He brought water from a rock, amen? He brought manna from heaven, amen? He brought quail from the sky, amen? He gets them to the gates of the aptly titled promised land, a land that the Lord promised them. And they send in a committee and then they vote. <laughs> And they failed. <laughs> Ten to two. Two guys. He promised it to us. Ten guys. There's very big people in there. Everybody, let's wander around in the desert for 40 years. Idiots. It is hot in the desert. And it took about a couple of days for them to start whining. Oh my gosh, does whining bother any of you? Whining, can I get an amen, whining? And if, if there's 10 minutes of whining, how, 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 how bad is it? If there's a full day of whining, how bad is it? These people whined for years and they kept blaming Moses. And when that didn't work, they blamed God. Don't do that. God said, oh my me. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> he said, I'm tired of this. And it rained, but not water. 
It rained venomous snakes. Venomous snakes appeared everywhere and started to bite the people. And every people that got bited died. Bited. You all knew what I was talking about. The snakes bited. Oh, I know this is going to upset you. Snakes bited babies and people's babies died. Snakes bit mommies and people's mommies died and people's grandmommies died and people's daddies died and a lot of people died. And then the people went, ah, oh, Moses, no, there's snakes. And, and he said, well, you should have shut up. And now the, the, Jesus is shutting us up. And so the people prayed and they said, God, we're idiots. Can I just say, if everybody would start there, church would be a better place? Can I just say, that's where church needs to start. Dear Jesus, I'm an idiot. Help. That, 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 the most perfect prayer. Don't be arrogant. Don't be cocky. Just, God, I'm an idiot. Help me. And let me tell you something this morning. There are people in this room, people who need to feel free to say, Craig, I need Jesus. I'm an idiot. I'm dying and going to hell. I've been bitten by the snake that is the devil. And I am a sinner who falls short of the glory of God. And so Jesus or God said to Moses, make a snake, put it up on a stick. And if you get it up high enough, the more people who can see it, the more people who get saved. Then John said, hey, you remember when the people were bit by the snake and died, how they got saved? They got saved because they lifted the snake up. Then it says, if he be lifted up, what? He will draw all men into himself. Like the snake in the desert, Jesus must be raised up. Not lasers, not kids ministries, not worship ministries, not how you dress. Jesus must be lifted up. And if he is, he will draw all men into himself. And that's the change that has to happen before any other change occurs. The next verse takes all of that and wraps it into what you think you know. For God so loved the world in its idiotic, stupid state that he gave his son. And anybody that actually believes that that happened shall not die, but they will have eternal new life. God did not send his son to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You have to be in him and he has to be in you. And this is the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Without it, there is no hope and there is no glory. I don't care. I don't care. If you're seven, if you know that God loves you, God exists, God is real, you can be saved. You simply have to say, I'm a sinner and I'm going to die and go to hell. I need Jesus. And if I believe that, I don't die and I don't go to hell. story of the uh, Good Samaritan. Y'all know that story? There was a guy that got beat up on the road and a preacher went by and prayed for him. A deacon went by and prayed for him. 
And a Samaritan, one of his bitter enemies, picked him up, clothed him, helped him, okay? There's an interesting phrase in that passage that people leave out. I, I don't anymore, but I did up until I heard a guy preach on this and he said it and it went off in my head and I've been preaching it for years. Listen to me. When the robbers came to take from him, like Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, it's almost like this book was meant to be. Um, it says they left him half dead. They left him half dead. They left him half dead. Not fully alive, not fully dead. Jesus on three different occasions talks about physical, spiritual, physical, water, spirit, death, life, always in groups of two, two. You have to be born of flesh, physical, and you have to be born of spirit. Everyone in this room <laughs> was born of flesh. That's one part. If you are in the room and haven't asked Jesus into your heart, haven't given your life to him, you are physically born, but spiritually dead, which makes you half dead. Not fully alive, not fully new. When your body expires, your time expires. Dead. When your spiritual time expires, it will then die unless you have life in Jesus and then you live forever with him. You, you'll live forever, but it won't be life. <laughs> you live forever, but that won't be life. That is death beyond death. In fact, it's hell. The key to heaven is Jesus. Not how you live. When you get Jesus, he traits, he works you how to live. He, we, we, we work together, calling each other out when we walk by the homeless. Calling each other out when we don't give God his part first. Calling each other out when we don't treat our spouses like Jesus asks us to treat them. That's what we do. But Jesus gets you in. Jesus gives you life. Jesus makes you new. John 3.16 is just four words, and it's actually only three. Eight words, sorry. Eight. God loved. That's two. God gave. That's four. We believe. That's six. We receive. That's eight. God loved. God gave. We believe. We receive. I wonder if there's anyone this morning who needs to be born for the first time in their spirit and wants to invite Jesus into their heart, whether they're a teenager, a father, a mother, a grandfather, a grandmother, or if there's someone in the room who knows at one point in their life, they turned their life over to Jesus, but they have absolutely taken control again. And they need to cry out, I am an idiot. Make me new. You don't need to be saved again. You just need to be renewed. If that's you, I want to hear from you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't do this often, 
but I am doing it today. Every head bowed, every eye closed, man, woman, boy, or girl, if you have never given your life to Jesus and you know this morning there is something eating at you, working on you, like almost pulling you toward, toward me, toward, toward Jesus, toward something up, this, you just know right now, I need Jesus today. My new life starts today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just throw your hand up for me so that I can pray for you? Anybody, anywhere. If you've put your hand up, I've already seen it. Uh, you can put it back down. I am not gonna call you out. That's not the way I do things. But just know that I see you and I have, it's not mine. I, I, Jesus has a gift for you. I just want to tell you about it. People are still raising their hands, so I'm gonna hold tight. Please don't get through today without shooting me a text, talking to me after the service, or find Steve, find a, a small group leader, but do it today. I am not gonna make you stand up. I'm not gonna call you out in front of people. We'll do that when it's time to baptize you. <laughs> We're gonna fill the pool, folks, because God is changing lives today. If that's what you want, I would love to be a part of it. I'm gonna pray for all of you now. God, may life spring anew into every person in this room. And may the three, four, five people of all ages and sexes, uh, uh, would, may they know you can save them today. All they have to do is ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, there's lots of things happening. There are lots of things going on. Please be a part of Art in the Park. Please be a part of giving, be a part of serving, be a part of cleaning, be a part of loving, be a part of greeting, be a part of our church family. If you've taken a covenant over the last couple weeks, please bring that back to me. We'd love to have you. I know there's a bunch of things I'm supposed to announce, but I can't remember any of them, and Jesus is more important anyway. God bless you. I love you. Have a good Sunday.